Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the In The Saddle podcast. We're actually up to episode 62 now. God doesn't time fly. Um, We've only been going a year, but yeah, 62, that's a lot of episodes. Anyway, we're going back to our roots uh, in this episode as uh, Paul Callahan did an interview with American racehorse trainer Kerry Brion, who set up a yard in Ireland. She's been going uh, quite well. She's searching for that first winner still, but she's got some nice horses to go to war with, including one that could potentially run in the Dublin Racing Festival at the weekend. Now, before I hand over to Paul, please make sure whatever podcast platform you're listening on, if it's SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple, to subscribe, rate and review. We really appreciate all your feedback. You can also as well follow us on Twitter. That's the best place to do so, where our handle is at In The Saddle Pod. So I leave you now with Paul and Kerry, and I hope you enjoy this podcast. Well, you're very welcome to this week's episode, a special episode, episode 62 of the In The Saddle podcast. And we're delighted as we begin our build-up to this weekend's Dublin Racing Festival. We are joined by American trainer, Kerry Bryan. Kerry, how's things? Hey, yeah, good. Thanks for having me. Thanks very much for coming on. It's, a, it's a, an absolute pleasure to have you. And Kerry, your former assistant trainer, former assistant trainer to Hall of Fame trainer, Jonathan Shepherd. And you've since you've taken over the license in full, and you've since moved your operation to to Fair Hill. You have roughly around twenty stables, twenty boxes or, or stalls, as you call them. But I want to find out how did you get into racing? Where did it all start out for you? Yeah, um, well, I guess like I rode ponies and everything growing up, like normal kids, I guess did. And um, I grew up down the road from a flat yard, uh, Ronnie and Betsy Houghton, and I actually just got in there when I was ten, just muck and stalls and cleaning water buckets and that type of thing and then I started they taught me how to gallop when I was 12 or 13 I got my first racehorse so I was hooked then and I knew it was the racing I wanted to do so I stuck with them till I went to college so till I was 18 or 19 18 I guess and um so that was that and then I went away I was on a pole vaulting scholarship actually for track and field so I went away to college for a semester and when I came back over my Christmas break, I believe it was, one of my good friends um, was working for Jonathan Shepard at the time. And she asked me, would I want to come in and just ride a couple lots out for them? So I did. And the rest is kind of history. I actually transferred home to a different college closer to Shepherd's, and I rode there full time and I got my degree at night um, to finish my degree. And just over time, got more and more responsibility um, being an assistant for him, I had a couple of stalls. I think I had 24 horses to start with when I became his assistant. Um, all the while, I was actually riding races a bit as well as an amateur jockey. Um, rode for about four years, uh, rode a couple winners. I was champion apprentice in 2017 over jumps and um, called it quits in 2019 and focused more on the training aspect as Jonathan started to back up a little bit and took over kind of the whole thing there the last two years we were champion trainer last season 2020 and he renounced his retirement a couple of weeks ago and here i am <laughs> and so everything just kind of fell into place nicely 
some extent. I mean, I wasn't really anticipating him retiring when I was here. So, you know, I had to set up an operation essentially from Ireland in America, which wasn't, it was a stressful couple of weeks, but luckily the owners, I mean, I have the greatest owners behind me. I mean, they're just the greatest people in the world and um, they were all for it and behind me and my assistant, Amber Hadika, who's was under me at Shepherd's uh, luckily jumped in and said, look, you know, I'll, I'll be your assistant. We'll keep things going. And she took the horses to Fair Hill. And I have a couple of my really good guys there as well. And um, it's our downtime in America right now. There's no racing going on. So it, it's an ideal time to make a switch, but it still was a bit stressful for a couple of weeks. <laughs> I bet it was. It's hard enough to, 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 you know, to set up such an operation when you're hands-on and you're there, let alone exactly. being the other side of the Atlantic. How does this? How does it compare? Your 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 America. Like, how does the training regime compare to? Yeah, it is totally different. It is not similar in really many ways at all. Um, you know, here the name of the game is stamina, and they have to, you know, get home. And whereas in America, speed is really it. Like, you can get away with running a horse that's eighty percent fit and say, oh, you're just giving it a run, and you would do no damage. Whereas here, my God, you would not send one out that's eighty percent fit, or they're not going to get home six from home. <laughs> so um, <laughs> we've had to change. <laughs> we've had to change everything, um, you know, that the horses do. But in fairness, we we came mid November, and Baltimore Bucko was our first runner, which was the end of December. So they had a good five six weeks of training here, and I mean. I take a lot of pride in Baltimore Buckle and also French like both winning in firm ground at one point in America and coming here and running in the ground they've run in um, to run as well as they have. So, I mean, a lot of it is the training. You just completely switch it up on them and, um, you know, they're getting learning how to settle again. And whereas in America, they always travel on the bridle and they're always a bit keyed up. Whereas here, it's the opposite. You want them switched off completely. So it's just completely different way of things, but a good horse can be trained to do anything, I'd say. Oh, when does the National Hunter, the steeplechase season, run in, in America? Well, on a regular year, it's March through November with a couple breaks in between, but pretty regularly like that. But with COVID, obviously last year our season was cut very short. Our grade ones were taken out and the season wasn't great. And we didn't know what this year was going to look like, which was all kind of part of bringing a string over. Um, but this year, as of now, our season isn't starting over hurdles until the end of April, as of right now in America. And that could even be pushed back again, you wouldn't know. So um, look, we're here and we have the license, I believe, through almost the end of April anyway. So, I mean, I'm in no rush to get back. I, I can run here and hopefully make money here. So <laughs> we'll stay here as long as we can, you know, if racing's not going ahead in America. And is there a plan is there a time limit on you staying here or is it just an open ticket? Yeah, to... yeah. So the license is temporary as I'm running off of my American license. Um, and they were nice enough when I took over the license, I, um, the IHRB, they're very, very helpful. I, but I had to have a zoom meeting with them and everything else for the license. And they did grant it through April. I believe it is, um, which was actually originally, it was until April 1st. So they did grant it for an extra okay. month, which, um was very good so we have that option anyway and could you renew it again 
if plans changed or not. Yeah, so. you know, they're they. I don't know that for sure, but they're pretty. Um, they've been very helpful, and you know, I think now that the horses are running, and you know, they're running well enough, and it's going well, and it's gotten good publicity. I'm sure that if circumstances changed at home and we decided we'd like to stay a little bit longer, obviously the longer we stay, the better ground the horses are getting. So, um, but that being said, the main goal going back home is Saratoga, which is like July. So you want to get yeah. them home in enough time that, you know, we're not killing them to do that as well. Yeah. We're not going to mention, I didn't want to mention the weather just yet. I want to keep in good form for as long as I can. <laughs> um, your your former boss Jonathan, Jonathan Shepherd who you took over from he trained Flatterer to finish second behind C. then in the 1987 champion order you're bidding to go one better some 34 years later with Winston C he's a dual grade one winner both victories came at Saratoga unfortunately we're not going to see him this weekend at the Dublin Racing Festival he had an entry in the Irish champion order but he ran he ran with credit, I thought, at, at Nace last Sunday. You know, he was he was still there. He wouldn't have liked the ground, but he, he was still there. Uh, a mile and a half, he was still not that far off the leader. Yeah, you know, I was actually very happy with him at, at Nace. A lot of people, you know, had asked me what I thought or this, that. I was actually delighted with him. That ground would have never been ground he wanted. It has not been the ideal circumstances for the poor horse coming here. He, you know, he didn't settle in great, so he missed a nice race for him at Punchestown that actually would have been okay ground for him at that point in time, the end of the December. Missed that, and then... You know, we were going to go to Navin before all the rain hit and then the frost hit instead and that got postponed. Then I thought the ground and the two and a half miles just wouldn't be fair to him. And it, at that point in time, we were getting closer to Leopardstown. So that just wasn't going to happen. We weren't going to take him straight to a grade one. He had been off over a year. Um, so we settled on the, the grade three and Ace and basically told John who rode him you know, get a race into him because he needs it, but take care of him as well because it's just, this isn't going to be ideal for him. And I thought he did just that. I actually was delighted with the way he jumped. He jumped great. He can sometimes not be the greatest jumper. So he jumped great. He traveled with those horses, like you said, till about a mile and a half out and um, would have hated the ground. So he, he was very depressed yesterday morning, but today now he's bucking and kicking and he seems to have come out of it quite well um, now that he's gotten over the initial shock of it all. Um, so... Yeah, we're going to take a little bit of a probably unconventional route from here, but we'll just let him tell us. I mean, I'm not going to run him on that heavy ground again. So it just kind of depends on what the ground does. There's a grade three at Gorin in a couple weeks that is on the table. But, I mean, it's not fair to the horse to have to go out. He can run in soft ground, but this kind of ground, I mean, he's 15-2. It's just, <laughs> it's not really ideal for him at all. So we'll kind of let the ground tell us and yeah, look, Cheltenham's in the back of our minds, but it's going to come, the conditions and stuff are going to be what really kind of tell which direction we go. And the other entry this weekend at the, the Dublin Racing Festival is French Light, who ran a nice race to finish second at Clonmel back on the 19th of January. He probably was unlucky to bump into an improver trained by Philip Dempsey in, in Broomfield's Jeremy, but I thought French Light, again, was still there, so roughly about the second last. Yeah, I thought he ran a cracker. Yeah. And I, and I'll just speak candidly. I love this horse. I think he's probably in the future will be the best horse we have over here. Um, 
it was not ideal. He hadn't run since October, actually. And when I got there and walked the track and saw how not just heavy, tacky the ground was, I I thought we'd be lucky to get home in it, to be honest. But he's just the toughest trying horse you'd ever come across, along with loads of ability. And um, he did. He traveled very well down the hill with Jared, and he made a great move. And it was two and a half, probably would have been better suited on that ground to be two miles. But look, we took what we could get. He still ran a great race, and we had every intention of taking on the big boys on, you know, better ground at Leopardstown this weekend. But now with the weather forecasts and everything else, we're going to watch it, you know, very closely and, and make a decision on Thursday if that's what we're going to do or not. But the weather has not been nice to me at all. <laughs> it must have been very hard this morning listening to Clark of the Course, Lock and Wire, telling you to, to have a great day just after telling you. That the ground had torn heavy on the, the hardest track. Yeah, <laughs> it depressing, the, really. Um, French Light was quite. Yeah, he he was quite impressive winning an allowance race in Saratoga last August. And what would be the strength and depth in that form? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I think I actually said this on air with Kevin O'Ryan when he took me aside before he ran. He's a, he's a future grade one horse in America, hundred um, percent. You know his. The way he ran at Saratoga and the the speed he has on on good ground is, you don't find that just anywhere. He he's a very special horse to us in America, and um, like I think he I think he can be here as well. But he doesn't need good ground. He doesn't even need necessarily yielding ground. But it just the heavy tacky ground. I think that's that's where it's catching him out a bit. I mean, I think you would have seen a different horse even at. Um, Claude Mel, if the ground would have just been a little bit better. I, I'm not saying he would have won it, but I think he would have been an even better second. Um, he, yeah, I think he's a good horse, yeah. And he, like, he'll come on a ton from Claude Mel because he hadn't run since October. And he actually struck into his knee when he ran in October. He he pulled up or he wasn't okay. he wasn't placed anyway. And he came back and I thought he actually had broken himself. Like I thought he had severed a tendon or something. It was a lot of blood and it wasn't pretty. Um, we got very, very lucky that it didn't actually, he was out for a month, but you know, it was all basically superficial, just had to heal. So he missed some time and everything else. So I was really happy with him at Clonmouth. A horse that I thought ran an absolute cracker on Sunday. And then um, you we were talking off there before we, we started recording that no American, no horse from America has ever come and won here in Ireland, which is, is quite remarkable. But I thought Baltimore Buckle, he's had two starts. He's finished third of both occasions, including in that race with the start at Nace on, on Sunday. But he ran a cracker. He did. He did. And I think this was a much tougher test all around for him than it was at Limerick. Obviously, he was running with seven or eight horses at Limerick, and this was a full field um, with more seasoned horses. I mean, he's just turned five. He's, he's really a baby in the grand scheme of things. Um, he just keeps improving. And I will tell you, he is the toughest horse, um, just doesn't care. We'll run over anything. We'll try his heart out for you and is bucking and kicking the next day all the time. So, I mean, I, I was hopeful he might be the winner, uh, <laughs> on, uh, still could be. the other day, still could he be. could be, he could be, um, I, he tries hard every time he runs and he's, he's a nice little horse and by a very good stallion i'm a big shalikov believer so um yeah i think he's he's a very good horse he should have a couple more good runs in him i'd like to think you know before we go home he did show a cracking attitude but even at that um from watching the race if memory serves me correct things got quite tight just before the turn yep. for home and he kind of he had to hold his own on the, 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 the kind of I, I mean, 
I was a disaster watching it. I was like, John's never going to get him out. <laughs> um, but no, it, John gave him a very good patient ride. And But the horse, yeah, he's tough. He, you know, he stayed in there slogging away on, that was what, like the fifth race of the day, I think. The ground was very, yeah. very turned up by that point in time. And, and um, you know, like John had come back and said he did everything right. He probably would appreciate just a hair better ground. Not even, like, same as French, like not even yielding, just maybe just soft instead of this like heavy, yeah. you know, it's like a plowed field out there by the time he ran. So, but no, he ran a very big race, a lot of credit to him for sure. And um, how many horses have you brought over, Kerry and total? So brought six over. Um, so three have run so far. I have one that's going to run in a bumper here in the next couple of weeks. Um, and another horse that is a little bit, stuck because they all had to run for marks for their handicap marks and the, this horse Klondal camp i have he bought him off of mick golf two years ago he's run once and won in america but he's had a bit of hard luck and he unfortunately isn't a novice so he's gonna have to run in probably a pretty tough race in order to get a mark um so he's he's a couple weeks away um and then we have another one francois who is getting fit as well. And we're probably going to actually run him in a beginner's chase, shake it up a little bit, <laughs> do a little bit of everything. Yeah. Um, but my owners have actually bought, we bought three horses so far since we've been here that are going to come back to America. And I have asked, um, I have asked for permission to run these horses in my name, taking as I've taken over their training as they're here because it makes sense just to wait until we go home and bring them all home together so i'm hopeful that there'll be three more that i'll get to run here before i go home and would you normally source your horses over in ireland or would you keep an eye on the, the english yeah, as well? so um yeah i you know i i wouldn't necessarily be like a bloodstock agent or anything but the nice thing is i can ride them out obviously so um, it all started two years ago. I was in at Mick Goff's and I rode Clondall Camp out and he was actually unraced. And um, Mr. Moorhead, who owns Baltimore Bucko and, and a couple others here, uh, he he said, yeah, let's do it. I just kind of asked him. I said, I really like the horse and everything else. So it kind of started there. Um, and I had bought another one off of Mick Goff named Galway Kid that Ed Swire, who owns Winston C, owns. He didn't come here, but he's a novice stakes place in America and he's a two-time winner or three-time winner, um, nice horse. And um, then I met James and we've bought probably six or seven horses out of here for, you know, the owners since, since meeting him and like French light, Baltimore bucko, they came from, they came from James fancy pants that'll run in a bumper. He, he came from James. Um, yeah. But just mainly to, to my owners that I train for, you know, they, respect my opinion which i'm very lucky for and we've gotten some really nice horses so uh, we can't really complain it's fantastic to have the the backing of your owners and it was such an ambitious decision to and a brave decision to, to come across here but tell us how did that decision come about yeah to start with it was mr swire who owns winston c because our grade ones Winston had had a little setback this spring and we had him penciled in to run in a grade one at Belmont in September and he was training away for that. And then everything happened with COVID and they just canceled the rest of our grade ones, trying to save purse money and everything else to just get any kind to revive you know, any kind of racing at all, which they were able to do for the fall, but 
Winston kind of got completely screwed in the deal because there were no other races for him in America. So he was going to miss the whole year. So that was when Mr. Swire had asked me about what about bringing him back over here and seeing, you know, he had good form in England and everything else. And I, you know, kind of thought maybe it's something we could do or send him over to somebody or whatnot. But then as COVID really took a hit to our season, I just asked a couple of our other owners with horses that I thought could come over here that are good enough to come back here to run, would they be interested? And luckily I just have a couple very game, very cool owners <laughs> that said, yeah, let's do it. So here we are. So hopefully if you nick a, a winner or two, you could become almost the, the Wesley Ward of the, the Royal Ashcott's coming over. We'd <laughs> well, love to see Wesley coming over. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Brilliant. I mean, I hope that this, like, there's a couple very good horses in America, you know, that could come over here and compete. I strongly believe that with no problem. And obviously it does take money to get them over here and everything else. But I think this is really good for the sport. And I hope that more people might do this. Because like I said, during our off season, like we are doing nothing in America at this point in time. Like, and there's not that many grade ones in America anyway. So if you had a grade one horse, you could almost almost campaign it in America and then bring it over here and, you know, campaign it through through the winter um, without it being too much on them, I think. So hopefully this will do, you know, do something for the sport in a good way all around here and back home. Um, that, that'd be the hope anyway. Obviously, the, as I mentioned, the, the trip over here was, was quite ambitious. Starting out as a trainer, have you set yourself any any targets, or would you just try and do as, as best possible? I mean, I'm filling big shoes coming from Jonathan Shepard, like, <laughs> um, but I I really want to win a race here. I'm I I will be very disappointed if I can't win a race here before we go back. I would love to be able to say that I was the first American trainer to win a win a race in Ireland, and um, yeah, that's that's the short term goal anyway. I'm sure you'd take a Cheltenham Festival winner if there was one. If there was one, I would not complain about that at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. Well, Carrie, I think we'll wrap it up, and I'll say thanks to thanks a million for for taking the time out to join us. And for anyone who who wants to follow Carrie or Carrie's horses, you can follow your Twitter pages at Carrie, um, fourteen five one four five. If anyone wants to to follow your horses throughout the, your stay here, and indeed when you when you make your travels back home stateside. Thanks very much for listening. And Kerry, once again, thanks very much for, for giving us the time. And we wish you the best of luck if you do turn up at the Dublin Racing Festival and for the remainder of your stay. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me.